Knoxville Tower, runway 23 left at Alpha 8, taxi via Alpha Taxiway. No delay, wind 2904, runway 23 left at Alpha 8, clear for takeoff, traffic 3 mile final. Read back correct, tower for taxi, have a good flight. Welcome to From the Runway Up. I'm Becky. And I'm Caitlin. And we work in the Public Relations Department at McGee Tyson Airport in Knoxville, Tennessee. We understand that going behind the scenes in an airport these days isn't as easy as it used to be. So that's where this podcast comes in. Each episode, we'll give you a behind-the-scenes look of current events at our airport and in the aviation industry as a whole. So fasten your safety belts and join us on this aviation adventure. Welcome to this episode of From the Runway Up. We're so glad that you joined us today for this special discussion about airlines and their recovery during this pandemic and some interesting things about what they have in store as they move forward in the future. And typically with our podcast, we focus more on the airport side of the aviation industry. But today we are going to speak with a representative from Airlines for America, and they are an organization that advocates on behalf of commercial airlines in the United States. And so today we get to speak with Rebecca Spicer. She is the Senior Vice President of Communications for Airlines for America. Rebecca, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. If we will just start, if you'll just give a brief introduction about yourself and your role with Airlines for America. Absolutely. And it's such a pleasure to be with both of you. I certainly hope that we can meet in person sometime. And we've seen over the past year and a half the importance of travel and having face-to-face communications and interaction. But yeah, actually by chance, I now live in the DC area, but I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm a proud Tennessean. So it is a real fun pleasure to spend time with the good folks in East Tennessee And now I am with Airlines for America, and we represent the major U.S. carriers. So that's both the passenger carriers, the cargo carriers that proudly get people to where they want to go and packages and goods to where they need to be shipped. So it's a great job with great carriers that we get to represent. Well, and I bet in that role, you have had to be very adaptable and flexible over the past year and a half or two years. Can you kind of explain what the situation has been like and maybe how your organization is helping airlines move forward? Yes, and you hit the nail on the head. I wish I didn't have to say that the situation got incredibly dire in the spring of 2020, but dire is really the main word that comes to my mind. And, you know, we're talking now about recovery, but before we got to the recovery phase, we had to get to the rescue phase. And let me put that in perspective for you. Prior to the pandemic, U.S. Airlines were transporting two and a half million passengers, give or take, every single day, and also 58,000 tons of cargo every single day, record levels. So it was a reminder of, you know, just how much our country, but also the world had come to rely on U.S. Airlines. But then, as you know, last year, as we saw stay-at-home orders and quarantines and other type of restrictions put into place, We saw those numbers, especially on the passenger side, just plummet. In fact, there was one day in April where we saw passenger volumes down 96%. And that's to the levels that we saw in the 1950s at the dawn of the jet age. So, you know, you probably saw the pictures back then of airports, and you probably saw it right there in Knoxville, of airports that looked like ghost towns. And there were dire images of airplanes parked 
in the middle of a desert or anywhere airlines could find space and they were parked wing to wing or nose to tail. And it, it really was just eerie. We actually had that happen here because we had some regional jet maintenance facilities. And so they were taking advantage of the time to do some maintenance while they weren't actively flying to kind of continue to move forward. And so at one point, Caitlin, how many planes do you think we had? I think it was close to 60 airplanes on that runway. Wow. I mean, it's chilling to think about. And honestly, when I saw pictures from across the country of images like what you're talking about, it was unnerving. And I'm not surprised that our carriers use some of the space there because at one point, actually for extended duration throughout the pandemic, more than half of the U.S. fleet was taken out of service. So, you know, we still don't have every plane back in service. And there are a lot of people who think, oh, I'm seeing the crowded airports and I'm seeing pictures of full airplanes. And that's true. But we're still down about 20 percent. And, you know, summer is when we do see more people get out and go typically, but we're still down that 20 percent and not all the planes are back in. Not all the flights have been restored. So, you know, it's still a day to day call, quite honestly, of what we're going to see. Well, and whenever you say 20 percent, is that comparing to 2019 numbers? That's exactly right. Yeah. No surprise. We're up some from this time last year. But last year, we were really in that rescue phase. And we are still down, though, from pre-pandemic. So you would consider yourself still in recovery. And what are you looking for in regards to how to gauge that? How do you determine that the industry is continuing to recover at a, a good pace? Well, we've been really encouraged to see people book their tickets, pack their bags, head to the airport, board those planes and go. And it wasn't a big surprise when we discovered that people really have so much pent-up demand to go anywhere. You know, we've learned over the past 18 or so months how much we do want to go see our family members, our loved ones, friends, go to different types of events, have that meeting in person with a business counterpart, make that business deal And it's just different over Zoom. And as much as I'm enjoying my conversation with you two, I honestly think it would be much more meaningful and enjoyable if we could be in the same room talking with each other. And it's a reminder, too, that, you know, if we could have had lunch right before this or if we could go out for dinner afterwards and get to know each other better, that would deepen the relationship and have more meaning. Although I'm grateful for the time with you here today. So please don't take that the wrong way. (laughs) We won't, I promise. (laughs) But we have been encouraged to see people get out and go. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that airlines leaned into science throughout this whole pandemic. If you go back to February and March, those early days of 2020, when we were beginning to hear about this virus, we were beginning to see the impact become very real, painfully real. And airlines said, we don't have a playbook for this. It is a new virus. We need to learn more about the virus, but also how we can ensure that we are protecting the safety and health of the travelers and our employees. So we at A4A, along with several other stakeholders across the aviation community, approached the Harvard School of Public Health, and we basically said, help us understand this better because we want to make sure we are doing everything we can to make everybody safe, as safe as possible. 
So Harvard stood up the Aviation Public Health Initiative. They looked at the in-flight experience, but they also looked at the holistic experience from the time you arrive at the airport to the time you depart the next airport. So we call that curb to curb. What the scientists at Harvard found was that because of the multiple layers of protection put into place by the airlines, by the airports, that really flying was quite safe. Being on an airplane, in fact, they said, was as safe, if not safer than other daily activities like going to the grocery store or eating at a restaurant. So we have leaned on science. We have learned from research as we've gone every turn here. One thing that your listeners may be particularly interested in is something that actually is so critical, but it's actually been in place for quite a while, and that is the hospital-grade air on board aircraft. You've probably heard about HEPA filters. I think it's more of a household term now that people are going out and buying HEPA filters for their homes, offices, and other places too. But HEPA filters have been in place on most of our aircraft for a good while. And what that means is a couple of things. One is the direction of the air on the aircraft. Next time you fly, get on the plane and you'll notice that air vent is directly above you. Open it up. You'll feel that air come onto you. And sometimes, as my mother reminds me, she needs to take a sweater or a blanket to make sure she doesn't get too cold. But that's okay. It means that air is flowing and it goes straight down to the floor. It never crosses from passenger to passenger. Once it gets to the floor, it goes out through and take a look the next time you fly. You'll see that there really are those vents down at the floor level, and that's where the air is swept out. And then it goes behind the scenes and it goes through the HEPA filters and it's purified. When it comes back out, any bacteria, viruses, or other particles have been removed. That's how you get the air that's as clean as the operating room or an ICU. That is one thing that we learned last year. And it's so interesting. We actually on our podcast had Hillary Gray with Allegiant on our podcast, and she was talking all about the air filtration. (laughs) And it's so interesting. And I actually flew a few months ago and I looked and yeah, it it reassured me, you know, that it's so interesting and something that I thought that I would never know this much about, to be honest. That's right. (laughs) That's right. We've all learned a, a whole host of new information. Oh, and we even laughed with Hillary at the time about, we can't even pronounce some of the things that you're saying. We've not heard about this and we're in the <laughs> industry. So of course, people who are flying may not have heard about this. So help us with that. So it was a really learning experience for us at the beginning of all of this to learn more about our partners That's at right. the airport. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, and, yes. and for our listeners, I think the curb to curb study was really interesting. Maybe not all 300 pages of it, but there's a summary. <laughs> There is a summary. Yes. Yes. And so for our listeners, I will put that on our show notes page on our website. Just something to take a look at. The findings were reassuring for sure. They were reassuring. And I think your listeners also would be interested in knowing, you know, what are these other layers that we're talking about? We had some enhanced cleaning procedures, again, leaning into the science and really looking at the research of what is it that can kill those viruses, the bacteria on potential surface points, even before people get on the plane. And you may remember that last spring, well, I say last spring, I mean, spring of 2020. Now it's hard to believe that we're having to reference it in that regard. But in the spring of 2020, the 
A4A carrier members unified in saying we are going to proactively require face coverings in flight. So you now know that there's a federal mandate in place, of course, but we wanted to lean into that as another layer of protection in the early days. And, and part of this is, you know, again, to keep everybody safe and healthy, but it's also to instill confidence. I feel more confident if I know that there are more layers that are put in place. One more layer that I think is important for your listeners is that our carrier members are requiring people to do a quick little checklist, a form really of three or four questions that are so simple as you check in, but before you board the flight. And they're questions like, have you been exposed to COVID in the past 10 or 14 days? Um, Have you been tested positive for COVID over the past few days? Do you have a fever? And, you know, if your answers to any of these are yes, you're encouraged to stay home, seek medical help and travel when you're healthy, because we don't want to be doing anything that would be exposing anybody else. So we just all want to be smart. And in fact, we have stood up a website. It's called Fly Healthy, Fly Smart. And it details what each of our carriers is doing and has been doing over the pandemic in order to keep both their passengers and their employees safe. Well, and you mentioned that this summer we're seeing a lot of people that are doing more leisure travel, you know, getting out and seeing loved ones and making those connections that they've missed for so long. We, in our market at least, haven't seen the business travel uptick that we typically have, particularly this time of year. As an industry, what are the airlines saying in regards to business travel and how do they see that moving forward? You're right. When we talk about being encouraged about the return to travel, the vast majority of those traveling right now are what we call the domestic leisure travelers. Those are the people who are taking a vacation. They're going to go see grandma for the first time in a while, or maybe go to a friend's wedding. We're seeing a lot of interest in sunny destinations, outside destinations. Something interesting is the one state that added flights during the pandemic was Montana, And that really isn't a big surprise because there were a lot of people who said, we want to go do something outside, enjoy nature, and big sky country seems to be a natural fit for that. But as we've seen that return to the domestic leisure travel, we still are not seeing a meaningful return to business travel. And we have seen some increase in business travel, but still a long way to go there. And of course, the international travel remains decimated. We have seen a return to some Mexico and some of the Caribbean islands, the short trip destinations, if you will. But as you know, there are many countries around the world where either the U.S. has not loosened restrictions on their citizens coming here or vice versa, where Americans are not free to travel there. And of course, a lot of these restrictions are changing on a daily basis from CDC and also the State Department, but we're watching that closely. But for now, that international travel really is still very, very low. Well, and speaking of, you know, watching the trends and industry projections, how did summer travel look in comparison to the industry recovery projections that you all were looking at? Well, I wish I could sit here and tell you that I had a crystal ball because I would love to give you a good answer, not only looking back to now, but also looking forward. But really, I don't have a crystal ball and it's hard to predict. If anything, we've learned that we can 
plan, but we can't forecast right now. Again, there's just no playbook for this pandemic. So we really just have to look at how the interest is coming day by day and, you know, listen to our would-be passengers. And we continue to provide the confidences and educate them on what they need to know, at least about what we are doing from an airline standpoint. And again, relying on the layers of protection so that they know that airlines are leaning into science. We are continuously revisiting our policies, our procedures, our protocols based on that data and that research so that we can ensure we are providing the safest possible experience that we can. Well, and I think that's why all of our roles have been very critical throughout this entire pandemic is it's just been crucial that we communicate the multi-layer facets of safety that aviation and the airlines provide travelers. 100%. And, you know, for the airports part too, certainly this has been a great example of partnership. It's not just the airlines alone. We have to lean into our partnerships with airports and with TSA and other groups to make sure that we are providing as safe of an experience throughout the entire travel experience. I'll give you an example. A few weeks ago, I gave a presentation with my counterpart at the Hotel Association, and she talked about some of the layers of protection that hotels across the country are putting into place. And a lot of that is being done, of course, to keep the domestic leisure traveler safe, but also looking at how these hotels, especially the ones that are hosting or would be hosting large conventions or conferences, you know, what can they be doing and what are they doing to keep convention goers safe so that we can get back to thinking about how do we get those meetings scheduled and get people back on airplanes and traveling to these meetings. I know this is a topic that we've really been focused on because it directly impacts our day-to-day operations, no matter the situation, no matter what industry you're in. Uh, But kind of stepping back from COVID, what are some of the big issues that airlines are facing right now that they're also having to deal with during a pandemic? Well, let me give you one. And that is, and you're right, it's important that as we talk about recovery, that we do look at a holistic recovery. And by that, I mean, airlines are leaning into their sustainability pledges as well. And in fact, back in March, the A4A carriers committed to net zero CO2 emissions by 2050. So this is a huge priority for our industry. We take it very seriously And we are working with other industry partners and government to expand the production and deployment of sustainable aviation fuels, SAF, and to modernize the air traffic management system. Part of the sustainability is also making sure you have a sustainable workforce going into the future. So we also, as an industry, are expanding our diversity and inclusion initiatives. We want to make sure that we are on solid footing with employment and with people going forward as well. Well, and that's the thing that we deal with as airports too, is that we are daily dealing with COVID and the impacts of the pandemic, but we also are having to continue to move forward in other ways so that when we get past the pandemic, that we have a strong operating airport ready to serve the passengers and guests who are coming in. So that's why I asked the question is, there has to be a found balance somewhere between 
constantly dealing with a pandemic, but also trying to plan for the future. That's right. And, you know, as you were talking, something else that came to my mind was that throughout the pandemic, carriers have really leaned into touchless travel. And we see some of that in airports as well. How can we reduce touch points? And first of all, anybody who's listening to your podcast, I encourage them the minute that they buy an airline ticket, make sure you have that carrier's app on your phone. It's really quite amazing what you can do from an app these days. But you can basically have a touchless travel experience, except for your phone. You got to touch a few apps on your phone, but then you can otherwise avoid touching basically anything at the airport, which is helpful, especially right now. But I think you're going to see more of that into the future. We're also going to see more emphasis on how can we use biometric technology, especially working with the government partners, whether it's TSA, CBP, and our airport partners to lean on biometrics to create a more seamless travel experience, you know, expedite some of the processes and procedures that are part of the air travel experience while maintaining the top security protocols. Well, and you've kind of touched on the next question that I wanted to ask, but what else do you see changing about aviation in the future? Well, we certainly are seeing a new travel experience as we recover from the pandemic. So we've talked about a lot of the technology that you will see the next time you fly. But there's also some basic tips that I think are really important for your listeners to know, especially for the next time they fly. And if they haven't flown since before the pandemic, it's really important to know that don't think it's all the same anymore. There are a lot of changes. First of all, even before you leave home, make sure you allow extra time to get to the airport. And you might think, oh, well, there's not as many people traveling nowadays. But as we know, there are a lot of people who do have plans to travel. We are seeing that pinup demand. And there may not be as many Ubers or taxi cabs or lifts or whatever you want to take to the airport. So plan ahead. Make sure you don't get delayed getting to the airport. Also, quite a few airports, I know that you and Knoxville have had some significant construction projects going on there. A lot of airports around the country used the time over the past year and a half to get some construction projects done. But that means that not all parking garages or parking lots are open right now. So if you're driving to the airport, make sure to allow time for that as well. Then I actually, and I can speak from firsthand experience on this tip, <laughs> that Not every airport has all of the restaurants and vendors opened still. So I suggest, especially if you have a connecting flight, pack a little snack, whether it's a little bag of pretzels, a granola bar, an apple, something that is not involving liquid, it can get you through TSA, and pack an empty water bottle. Again, you can't have the liquid going through the checkpoints. But then when you get to the other side of the checkpoint, you can fill it up at the water fountain. So It's a good rule of thumb. And again, speaking from experience, I actually used the snack I packed and I used my water bottle. So just want to make sure everybody is aware of that. Oh, yeah, those are great tips. And we've been trying to communicate those things too locally because we are finding that you may be spending a little bit more time here, but giving yourself more time also brings down the stress. Of the That's right. Of what's going on and really being able to see what airports and airlines are doing to try to to make it as safe as a transportation model as possible while you're going through. 
That's right. And, you know, one other tip for your listeners is that federal mask mandate is still in place. Just don't leave home without your mask. Make sure you put it on. It's required at the airport. It's required in flight. Just make it easy on everybody. Just put it on. You'll get to your destination safely, and then you can take it off if you want to, but just make it easy on everybody, including yourself. So I feel like you're a part of our PR department here in Knoxville because these are literally <laughs> all of our talking points that we try to share with the public <laughs> to help their well, travel experience. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, and to your point about allowing extra time, listen, we want everybody to have a stress-free travel experience. So allowing extra time does help alleviate some of that stress And it helps if there are any surprises that come up along the way, it gives you that time that you can be comfortable and make sure you still get to your flight on time. We don't want to leave anybody behind. We want everybody to get to their destination safely. Yes. Well, and like you said, in Knoxville, we've seen a shortage in taxis and Ubers. So that is something we're dealing with right now. We're actually under a parking garage construction project. So you hit on that too. (laughs) And our concessionaires have unique hours right now. So (laughs) all of those things were great tips. (laughs) Excellent. Good. Well, and I saved the most important question for last that I just thought of and came up with. So speaking of the future and in regards to your carriers, do you think that change fees are gone for good? You know, we have to rely on our carriers because they each have their own individual business plans. They did throughout the pandemic listen to their passengers. You know, all of our carriers, of course, are operating because of their customers. So they take the opinions of the customer very, very seriously. They listen to them. And as we know, we've said before, there was no playbook for this virus. And that's when carriers really leaned in and they said, we want to hear what is going to help the customer, what is going to help the air travel experience. And because there were so many unknowns throughout the pandemic, especially in those early days, but still now, that's when our carriers individually looked at their plans and they examined them and they said, you know what, we want our travelers to have confidence in the system. We know that sometimes right now you're going to have to make travel plan changes as you go that are out of your control because of travel restrictions or quarantine orders or other type of rules that were in place because of the pandemic. So that's when they leaned into those waiving the fees for good. So I would have to defer to each individual carrier as to the terms, but I I will encourage your listeners, if you have questions about your specific ticket, make sure to read the details when you buy the ticket. They are there on the website. Call the carrier if you have questions about exactly what kind of ticket you have. No surprise, there's a wide range of options out there. There's a lot of competition among the carriers, but there's also a lot of choice and selection for the consumer, even within individual carriers. So make sure you know the terms of your ticket. That's the best advice I can give. That's pretty good advice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like I've gotten so much. I've been taking notes too, and I hope our listeners have really gained a whole lot when they're listening. So Rebecca, if 
somebody wants to learn more about what's going on with aviation from an airline's perspective, what kind of resources are available and where should they look? Well, I would invite them to visit airlines.org. That is the Airlines for America website. And I'll add that our logo is We Connect the World. And that logo really started standing out in importance for us over the past 18 months because we realized how much the world does rely on airlines to connect people, connect businesses, connect goods to consumers. Um, And we realized how much we missed that connection when we didn't have it. So I do invite you to go to the A4A website. Again, it's airlines.org. And you can learn more about our recovery efforts, how the data on the industry as it is right now, especially compared to this time last year or pre-pandemic. And you also can learn about the safety initiatives that we have implemented, as well as our sustainability initiatives. So there is a lot of information there, but I hope you'll be able to visit it and learn something new. Well, and you have provided our listeners with a ton of helpful information (laughs) during this podcast. So I really, really appreciate your time. And I know that our listeners will get a lot out of this podcast, hopefully helpful tips for their next travel experience. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed today's discussion with Rebecca on all the different facets about rescue to recovery to what airlines are looking at to build for the future. And one of the things that stood out to me was their Fly Healthy, Fly Smart program, because we as at the airport, we could ask a lot about what airlines are doing to keep passengers safe while they're on board the aircraft. And so that is a good resource. So again, make sure you're checking our website at fromtherunwayup.com to learn more about that program. Yes, this show notes page will definitely be worth checking out. It will have really helpful links and resources to the Harvard Curb to Curb study that she mentioned, as well as I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into the sustainability efforts that A4A are implementing in the future. So thank you so much for joining us for Rebecca's interview, and we hope that you'll join us again next time.